news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You know what you're thinking. Mine's bigger than yours, right? It's not fair. Throw it away. All right? Tons of popcorn there. Yeah. And all you gotta do is go climb a tree to go eat it. <laughs> it was a night like any other night. Then something happened. Oh, good lord. It's. It's unbelievable. It's. It's horrible. Welcome to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of low-budget cinema. The sleep of reason gives birth to monsters. Hi, my name's Chris, and along with Jeff, we're bringing you the very best and worst of horror, sci-fi, post-apocalyptic wasteland, kung fu, and women in prison movies from the 1960s to today. Check us out at reallyawfulmovies.com, part of the Crypt TV family. At Lanier College, they have the finest security, the best teacher-student relations, no fraternity hazing, strictly enforced curfews, and a killer. He's come back. Final exam. When are you going to realize that the whole world isn't made of psychopaths? She's a murderer around campus, killing people. Some may pass the test. Lisa! God help the rest. Final exam. For our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 136, 1981's highly underwhelming, <laughs> extraordinarily forgettable uh, campus slasher from the slasher boom, Final Exam. Mm -hmm. Set near Final Exam time, hence the title. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, when we were uh, banding about ideas as to what movie to watch, what movie to uh, podcast this week, you suggested a, a, a superlative movie from the mid-80s, which I have seen, and um, I was like, yeah, that's really good. Then, in the video store, I noticed this one, Final Exam. And I remember the fact that you wrote about it, and I had never seen it, so I thought, you know what, instead of watching something I've seen before, let me see something I've never seen before, and let's do Final Exam this week, and a few weeks from now we'll do this other movie, which I'm not going to name, because, you know, we'll keep us a surprise. Now, for some reason, I even thought this movie made it into our book. I don't know, I just remember you talking about it quite a bit. So I was expecting something quite interesting, mm -hmm. unique, novel, came out... You know, right in the middle of the slasher boom. What I got instead was something super generic, super pedestrian, and something very indicative of what happens when you take an original and make a copy, and then make a copy of that, and a copy of that. It just gets watered down. It's like grunge, you know, when you have your first wave with, you know, your Nirvanas, your Pro Champs, your Soundgardens, Sonic Youth, what have you, and then the next wave is like 
kind of shittier, you know? Mm -hmm. You get and your creeds and your nickelbacks, which would this well, be but, the analog, yeah. But, no, but that would be like a fifth wave. Yeah. Like, <laughs> by the time you got down to, so the second Oh, you're already was, drowning by that time. It was yeah. a little shittier, but it was still decent. But then the third wave was, you know, you start to get your bands like, yeah. I don't know. Puddle uh, of mud. Collective Souls. <laughs> and like, and it's, just, it's just completely uh -huh. wired down and garbage. I mean, this movie is a copy of a copy of a copy. It took a lot of tropes, but it didn't do anything with them. There was nothing unique about them. The kills weren't particularly novel. There was very little in the way of characterization and grew and gore. There was a very perfunctory nude scene just because they had to. There was not much about it. But I think by watching this movie, we can discuss the slasher genre and what this movie didn't do and how that sort of contrasts with the ones that are successful. Well, for sure. And you erroneously thought we wrote about this because it has so many touchstones from all these movies we've absorbed that we thought that you know we'd seen it before and you actually remembered me writing about this which I thought was hilarious because I don't remember watching this or writing about this and my god it makes you appreciate uh, the likes of your Halloween something that's beautifully crafted with good characterization mm -hmm. and good uh, tension and even without a surfeit of gore like this thing has no gore but it also has no tension uh, it starts off the way many films start off on Lover's Lane. Lover's Lane. And a guy and his girl in a convertible and they're out in make out point trying to the guy's trying to get some and there's a mysterious killer on the prowl. Mm -hmm. And what we get is an incredibly mundane uh, mundane, pedestrian, tedious, quotidian crap kill of uh, in the shadows of these things should really start with a bang. You're mm -hmm. supposed to grab the audience by the throat and this thing was so tepid and so weak. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got uh, your the rigor scene of two people in lovers' lane, a guy and a girl. The girl is reticent; she doesn't want to, you know, go all the way there. Well, she probably because she dropped the L bomb on him, oh. and he did not reciprocate. Okay, oh, yes. which is not going to give you any points. So she says, "I love you," and he keeps kissing her, mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. she, of course, wants an answer. <laughs> like you can't just leave that hanging. I love you. Do you love me? <laughs> I'm out with you, aren't I? Yeah. That was not the best line in the whole movie. Oh, that really was. was. Yeah, yeah bring a tear to you uh, with that romance. But then they hear a noise. He thinks it's a prank. Next thing you know. They had some sort of uh, sunroof that was uh, one of those ma made material, or whatever. I don't know how you. Uh, yeah, like a uh, canvas uh, yeah. convertible. Yeah, yeah. It pulls it open. The killer pulls it open, <laughs> pulls the guy out, kills him. We see the, the arm going up and down in a stabbing motion. The guy's dead. Very little blood, very little in the way of effects, in the way of lighting. It was very dark. You don't really see much. And that was the prologue. And that brought us to uh, our story proper, which takes place on the campus of Lanier or Lanier, however you want to pronounce it, college. Uh, and we've got all these principals here who are just stock, boilerplate, generic, nobody's right off your typical campus movie. The jock, the nerd, the... There's no stoner. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, shocking. And the mousy brunette who you know is going to be the final girl, and of course the hot blonde who everyone mm. just uh, tongues are wagging after her. And the coach the tough-as-nails coach, the ineffectual campus security, the yeah. randy professor, just, yeah. oh, my yeah, God. The law enforcement. Yeah. <laughs> and on, and on, and on. Interesting, because it's final exam week, and they establish that most of the population of this college has already gone home for the summer. They've completed their exams. They're done. There's a few stragglers left behind because they have exams that go to up to the last day of the academic year, and that's the way of 
economizing the characters, so we really only have about half a dozen characters to fall in this movie, they're going to be fodder for the body count. Indeed, and we've got Mark, who's a member of the Gamma, Alpha, Epsilon, uh, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, I don't know, what, Al Gamma Frat. Mm -hmm. He's got this giant vertical brown conical head. It's yeah. crazy hair. It's amazing helmet hair. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And, yeah. and uh, this guy Gary is wearing a shirt that says Gary on it and he wants to be a member of this Gamma fraternity. Gary is a pledge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're putting him through his paces and making him do all this degrading stuff yep. and you know obviously he's he's a little torn of course but ultimately he wants to uh, curry favor with them. Yeah, the, the frats, I mean it's comprised of a bunch of knuckleheads. There's a guy on the fraternity by the name of Wild, Wild Man or Bulldog, <laughs> yeah. and he's a complete, uh, he's an absolutely ridiculous character. Uh, he, it's like he stepped off the set of Revenge of the Nerds, yeah. you know, he was like Ogre or something, and we'll get to more about him in a while, yeah. but uh, yeah, the whole fraternity thing was interesting in the sense that the frat in, in American college university movies is a big thing, and whereas here in Canada, we don't have that culture, uh, we don't have fraternity culture on our, on our campuses, there are fraternities mm -hmm. that exist, but... Universities don't allow frat houses on campus. They have to be off campus. And for my entire life, I've always looked down on Greek culture. You know, mm -hmm. I've always looked down on, on frat culture because, apologies to anyone listening who's a member of fraternity, but I don't know. I always thought like buying friends. That Woody Allen quote, you know, where you would never be in a club that would have you as a member. I think it appears originally in Freud's wit and its relation to the unconscious. And it goes like this, I'm paraphrasing. Um, I would never want to belong to any club that would have someone like me for a member. And that's why when I found myself in second year university pledging a frat, I didn't know how I, I managed to be in this weird predicament. I was like, well, how the hell did this happen? I, I, I didn't want to be in this fraternity. I had no designs on going all the way. And yet... Here I was, pledging a frat. Who was it? Well, a mutual friend of ours, Okay, Mike, mm -hmm. was a member of this fraternity. I can't remember the name of the fraternity. And uh, they were having a Super Bowl party. And Mike asked me if I wanted to go to this party. I'm like, he's like, it's going to be a keg party. Free beer. I'm like, free beer? I'm there. <laughs> yeah. That's all I want to do is watch the Super Bowl mm -hmm. and get shit-faced from, you know, drinking from a bunch of kegs. Yeah. Next thing I know, I watched the Super Bowl, got drunk met a few people in this fraternity. This fraternity was way off campus. Next thing I know, Mike tells me I'm a pledge. I'm like, how did I become a pledge? I, 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 was not, I, I, I just went to watch a game. He goes, no, but that was a pledge uh, party too. You, some other guys, you're pledging the frat. I'm like, really? I don't want to pledge a frat. <laughs> but because he was my friend, I didn't really know how to say, like, I just don't want to. And so the next thing I know, I'm at the house again, and I'm putting on a, a pledge pin on me. And I'm, and I'm saying to myself, okay, this has got to end. Like, i got to tell these guys, I don't want to be part of this fraternity. I don't like these people. Hmm. Like, except for Mike. I don't like these people. <laughs> and, it, I, dude, this was like I was in a cult. Everything I did, I could not get out. It was funny because there was other friends of ours that were pledging alongside me. And they were getting kicked out of the, oh, sorry, you're not whatever this frat is. You're not worthy. And I was so not into anything. They would call me up at, like, 1 in the morning and say, oh, you got to meet us, at, you know, and in the central part of the campus and everybody in the game water balloons thrown on them at one in the morning and huh. I, I said no I'm not going end the story I didn't get kicked out we had to study for some initiation thing I didn't study I didn't get kicked out I'm like please kick me out of this frat <laughs> one night we went to a club and a bunch of our other friends that went to university in London Ontario were coming in because it was a long weekend and they were at the very same club 
I was partying with those guys. The frat brothers kept coming up to me saying, hey, man, we're safe the, uh, whatever the hell, the Greek outfit. I'm like, no, I'm part of my friends. Can you leave me alone? Well, I, I could not. And yet, for some reason, I don't know why they wanted me in this frat so bad. Maybe my disinterest piqued their interest. Finally, I had to come up with some like cockamamie story that I was like, I was going in for yeah, surgery communicable, or something. Uh, no, malaria or something. <laughs> and then I could participate in some sort of like uh, pled drive or fundraiser. Hmm. And I managed to, you know, extricate myself from this cult-like initiation wow. right? this frat. So interesting. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, I guess, did they need to sustain themselves through dues and they just need anyone they can get? Oh, they kept asking for the dues over and over again. Uh. And I, I just said, next week, next week, next week, because I wanted to extricate myself wow. from this process. I did not want it. They wanted a road party to Penn State to check out another... Oh, their branch down there. Yeah. Which I always get the impression in the States, if you were in one of these things, it would help you. Like George Bush and this crazy society yeah. at Yale, and that they would actually behind the scenes like the wizard they would pull strings to get you a job or something but up here just everyone's just completely indifferent but yeah, well, that's interesting yeah. yeah and some of the brothers of this fraternity uh, were, no, uh, roger <laughs> no, I'm ebert. recoiling a little bit now. roger ebert huh david letterman yeah. Brad pitt yeah who would have thought <laughs> yeah, that's the thing like you, you just you have no idea we're always taught to think that these guys are complete lunkheads and the stereotype rings true here because these people are monsters and they're putting Gary. Gary, through all this crap, the poor guy, they lean on him to, uh, I guess, break into the one of the professor's offices to s procure uh, one of the exams. Mm -hmm. And it, he quite reasonably protests and says, I could get turfed out of school for this. Like, is this really like, the type of person you want to associate with? Like, I would never do such a thing. But that's this is par for the course. You commit low-level crimes to curry favors with these people in order to get in so but again back to these these people the standout really is radish radish yeah who's i think also goes by rich uh but i'm not sure yeah I, at one point they call him rich but he was referred to as rash for most of the film yeah and he he's the the go-to tutor for these guys all these lunkheads who just lean on him to help them with their marks mm -hmm. uh at one point wild man the the head jock goes into the guy's room abuses him, lifts him up by the belt buckle right in his bed and just treats him like a, a rag doll. So, well, which is that. amazing. Yeah. Like, yes, there is a reason for that. Yeah. There is a reason there is for that. There is something in this movie that really shocked me, I will say. This is not true. See coming. This is true. And this is the one thing mm -hmm. which in this post-Columbine era that is the one thing that is shocking in this movie and it's kind of ironic given how tepid and shitty the gore is. Mm -hmm. There is this gamma frat, or a bunch of idiots, they hatch a prank that is pretty gross. And if it were to be done today, these guys would have Homeland Security on them mm -hmm. and would face 20 years of jail time. This is nasty business. Whereas this was just written off as, oh, it's another harmless prank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another I mean, harmless no, plan. This shocked me, because I'm like, oh, is this where the movie's going? Holy crap, this is going to be something... If only it did. If unseen, only it did. Yeah. Is that really took... I was taken by that. Yeah. I thought that was fantastic. Because here we are. They're in the middle of writing an exam. It's a uh, professor who... Uh, kind of, he kind of had a bit of a resemblance to Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's actually stripping uh, the, the resident hot blonde Lisa. So you got your professorial student, uh, inappropriate relationship, etc. And as they're writing their exam... Something is happening out there on the, on the quad. quad. <laughs> and the quadrangle. It's a school shooting. A, a, a car pulls up. A bunch of masked people 
come out of the car and start shooting at everybody. And people are getting hit. They're falling over. You see a little blood stain, etc. I'm like, whoa, this is this is something. Wow. Yeah, and they, they don't telegraph this in a way that would indicate it's a prank. All the dummies, the the cohorts that were involved in this, the co-conspirators, they lie there as if they've been shot. So at no point do you figure this is anything but a campus shooting a la Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. And it's, whoa, like my heart was pounding as they're driving around shooting. But it turns out the Gamma Boys are behind this. This is a And this is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Like how anyone would do this. You would traumatize people for life. And it's interesting because uh, Mark had to pull an 82 on his chem exam in order to, uh, I don't know, Past a year, yeah. and this whole thing I think was a ruse for him to, to write eighty-two in his paper and put it underneath the marked papers that were already completed. Yeah, amidst the, the commotion, the he's so able it, to. Yeah, and so once I found out this was a prank, I was like, "Wow, that that that's ballsy. That's something." I mean, in this post-Columbine world, you're just like, you, you don't see that in movies. And but it also established the sheer knuckleheadedness of this fraternity and Radish, who was a bit of um, a horror crime buff as well. It's interesting, his dorm room, he's got posters for uh, the toolbox murders, yes. <laughs> uh, the corpse grinders, etc. He calls the police, and he reports a shooting. Forget the fact that it was a prank. Let's just say, you know, this was a real school shooting. There should be a fucking SWAT team to hang upon this campus. Instead, <laughs> one pathetic you get one pathetic vehicle. sheriff in one squad guard to investigate a mass murder. Yeah. And he doesn't seem to give a fuck. Told there was a shoot. A multiple shooting at that. And we better find a multiple shooting or somebody gonna wish that a multiple shooting was all the troubles he had. Now who called? There seems to have been a misunderstanding, Sheriff. We've all been the victim of a harmless college prank. <laughs> you call me? We got all our calls on tape, so you might as well admit it. I didn't deny that I called you. I thought it was real. It could have been. I mean, senseless murders are a modern phenomenon. Can I help it if people are crazy? This radish guy is also fascinated by this Charles Whitman character. Mm -hmm. He was a guy at University of Texas at Austin who went up on a bell tower and he was an ex-marine. He went up with mm -hmm. a rifle to the top of a tower and picked off people one by one. Right. Radish is obsessed with this guy too, in addition to the toolbox murders and everything. and. Yeah, this hadn't become part of the common vernacular of school shootings yet, so maybe they would send one pathetic squad car to the thing. Mm -hmm. Now, Radish is a bit of a crime buff, and he's he actually writes down the license plate of this shitty van and implicates the frat guys in this whole silly plot. So we get this little tension here between Radish and, and the frat guys, who he's essentially called out. Mm -hmm. And when he's reporting the uh, the crime to the uh, to the sheriff, and he's he's using words like perpetrator. And all yeah, that. yeah. And the sheriff goes, "Where did you learn these fancy words?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of like that. That was fun because yeah. there's always a tension between you smart-ass college kids and the townies. And the townies, there's that you know class divide, the blue collar versus the uppity college kids. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of fun, but again. But either way, so there had to be some comeuppance for him calling the police, mm -hmm. and that was wild man coming into the uh, his room and threatening to threaten yeah yeah and we talked a bit about this wild man character because he's a he was a complete over the top as i said before he might as well have been over from revenge of the nerve yeah. 
Yeah, custom-made jersey, feathered hairdo, giant arms. All he does is talk about the weight room and football season. Mm-hmm. He's just a complete generic uh, football lunkhead. Yeah. yeah. Heavy drinker, mm. uh, a guy that uh, you know sprays deodorant under his arms <laughs> yeah. and his mouth, you know, that sort of stuff. But, yeah, great scene. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, we have these are just generic characters. And there's a killer on campus. So we foreshadow something with this shooting, but that's not the threat. The threat is that there's actually this the same killer we're meant you know we surmise because there really is that's the one other thing with this movie which is kind of interesting. And on the other hand, is it successful? Is it unsuccessful? There is a killer on campus, and basically picking off people kind of little Indian style. There's not much more to it than that. No, we do have a um, the pledge Gary. He's tormented. He's tied to a tree. They strip him down to his skivvies. <laughs> they shoot him with a fire extinguisher. They put whipped cream all over him. They pour ice water down his pants, yeah, etc. Yeah. Et that sort of stuff. But really, it all comes down to there's a killer on campus, and he's picking up people one by one, and we're going to have a final girl, and that's the end of that. Yeah, and it's interesting and ironic that they invested so much time in these people because uh, you, you don't really get apart from the opening prologue you don't really get a kill until maybe the 50th minute so there's tons of blather uh, with you know a failed attempted romance between Radish and the final girl he says oh you're really pretty like be safe like, lock your door but you you get so much time spent with these people but unlike the burning it's completely charmless uh, you have no interest in any of these people so you're you're asked to invest but there's no payoff well speaking of payoff so here's the thing there's two things that separate this killer from you know your standard variety uh slasher or giallo killer number one who is he mm-hmm. well he's unmasked we never really get a clear shot of his face you but see his jeans but, yeah, <laughs> but the, you know yeah. he's not wearing a mask and you pretty much can see what he looks like okay so the, he's not wearing a mask he's not he's not jason Voorhees. But I ultimately want to know, why is he killing people on this campus? And it was never explained. There was no motivation explained for this killer. I thought at the very so, end we would find out something about him, you know, some long-standing grudge. Maybe he pledged to frat, you know, 20, 30 years ago and was hazed like poor Gary, and therefore he's... Well, yeah, I was thinking like uh, Pledge Night, which features the singer from Anthrax, who is the victim of a frat prank where he's uh, burned in some acid bath, and then his spirit comes back to wreak havoc on the campus and on the Greeks who who plagued him. Yeah, I guess this is probably to this film's credit, because we're so used to seeing some insane shoehorned-in prologue of why the guy's doing it like i'm thinking i don't know hospital massacres like he got a guy gets rebuffed for uh-huh. valentine's day oh i'm so pissed i'm gonna go kill people so this is just some guy killing for no reason see, is that good that, or bad but see, that's what i want to discuss with you is it to its credit or is it to its debit because i felt <laughs> at the end of it all it was a hollow exercise uh, yeah there were six characters seven characters all picked off one by one save the final girl we have a killer we, they established the fact that, like, you know, sororities, uh, there was a girl that killed herself because she was rejected by a sorority. Yes, yeah. They established the fact that these um, fraternities are participating in pretty heinous initiation rights, yeah. etc. Yeah. So, if, there's gonna, if you're going to have a killer, yes, I mean, sometimes we don't need a reason why. Like, for example, Halloween. Why is Michael Myers doing what he's doing? Because he did embodiment pure evil. That's all we need to know, and that's awesome. That's because the movie 
sets up so much with your Laurie Strodes, your Dr. Loomis, you know, with with the masterful taut suspense with John Carpenter, the cinematography, the music, there's so much going for it. And then you have this the shape, and yes, he is masked, okay, but he's not, you know, but it, it's just like, why? Why is he Why is he coming back to the house? Why is he, because in part one, it wasn't established he was True. Uh, the brother of Laurie Strode. It didn't fucking matter. He was an embodiment of pure evil, and you felt it. You felt scared. You felt intimidated by this this, this shape, this creature, this boogeyman who was put away in his, I mean, we knew he was, he was insane. He was insane. We knew he killed his sister, etc., but why? He was mm -hmm. an embodiment of pure evil. So, we don't always need like the shoehorn backstory in the sense, oh, I was abused by my parents, or what Rob Zombie tried to do with the character of Michael Myers in Halloween oh, Remix, etc. Yeah. But when when you have a movie like this, where there's no suspense, the cinematography is point the camera and shoot. There's no uh, creativity in the kills. At least let me know why. I don't, I don't have a reason to care for these characters, but why is he killing them off anyway? And we don't True. get that. You feel cheated. I guess it's a question of whether we're so used to seeing something telegraphed, something that you you can spot right from the get-go, that the fact that you can't is, isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's not a good thing. I'm, I'm pretty ambivalent towards it. With Talking about the kills, there was one scene where there's a pianist, Lisa, and she's plucking the uh, ivories and wearing a robe. She's stooping the professor, and there's a kind of a giallo-esque flair to that but it's poor it's shitty and this is something that would have been so much better handled in the hands of your Argentos or whatever because she's on this chaise lounge and playing the piano and you're thinking god why isn't there an Italian director to kill her gruesomely in a beautiful fashion an artistic death that we've come to expect from the Italians she's she's there like thinking her lover the professor is coming in the dark and she's sitting there on this couch you know in this negligee and she gets stabbed. It's forgettable. All the Completely, all, it's just it's a wasted opportunity. It's, it's all just statue stabby. There's like there was one death that was semi-creative with this wild man character. He got a uh, weight cable. Uh, yeah, wrapped around his, wrapped his around neck, his, yeah. and that was actually there was maybe a minute of suspense. The mm -hmm. gym scene was pretty neat, where he's walking around in the dark gym, and there's a figure who's attacking him, and you don't know who it is, mm -hmm. and he's beating down wild men. Except, the, except for the fact that the uh, the scoreboard lights go on, and he spends about five minutes going, "Who's out there? Who's out yeah, there?" Yeah, they even blew that scene. Yeah, stand. they could have they could have done something great with that, but I guess yeah, Wild was, Man meets his maker yeah. in a way that befits his temperament and his mm -hmm. stupid character, which is a weight machine. But right. again, you see something way better in Demons, where it's a peck deck machine mm -hmm. where it's closed. This is just, you don't even see how this weight is used to throttle him. Like, everything's shrouded in darkness yeah. and another waste. Well, the lighting was bad, the cinematography was bad, uh, there, there was no suspense, there was no uh, characters that you really wanted to root for, even the final girl, there was, they never developed her into much of anything. The only thing we knew is that she had a little bit of uh, complex, oh, why is life so easy for Lisa, the pretty girl, etc. Which is I'm the same for any one of these movies, exactly. so whatever. And then, at the end of the day, you know, so we have this killer... He's not, it doesn't matter he's not masked. We don't need a masked killer. I mean, in a giallo, we don't see the face of the killer. Either they're masked or they're shrouded in darkness. But you want to, you know, like, you want to know who's doing it and why. And at the end of the day, this movie gave us none of that. We don't, we didn't know who the person was, what his backstory was, and why he was doing it. So, in a movie that was 
done by somebody with greater skill, it might have worked. We don't need everything spoon-fed to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We could know, like, you know, who, it doesn't matter. He, he's a killer. Someone killing Killings are random. Who the hell knows why somebody decides to go fucking crazy and uh, shoot up a university campus or what mm-hmm. have you. But with this one, it needed that. And without that, it was completely tepid, pedestrian, and I'm not going to say boring, because I was watching it going, okay, well, I want to find out, I want to find out, I want to find out. And it was almost like, this is going to sound really bizarre, it left with the case of blue balls. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Because the, I, I was partly invested. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that neither of us can remember her name. Uh, who is the final girl here? Oh, Did you I write it down? down so, Courtney. Courtney, because she's yeah. kind of sweet. And uh, Radish is kind of sweet as well. And the two of them, they could have functioned something out of this relationship. The rest of the people are just complete throwaways, just utter nobodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting about this, and I guess this is a segue into what we've learned, uh, there's some homoerotic subtext in this as well. There's a campus security officer who comes upon uh, poor Gary who's tied to a tree and has ice, you know, put down his tidy whities mm-hmm. And the guy is trying to get help and the security guard on campus is, does not want to interfere with the long-standing tradition of hazing stupid rituals and whatever. They become extremely close. The guy gives him a swig. He thinks he's going to give him a swig of his booze, which at least if you're going to be tied to a tree all night, I would want to drink too. And then instead of that, he pulls the guy's underwear open and dumps the booze down onto his balls. So it was a weird, like, this is a weird dynamic between the security guard and this student. Like, that's so inappropriate and well, bizarre. Well, you mentioned uh, homorality because I thought you were going to talk about radish. Because I don't want to say it's clear because, you know, we, it's, you know, but there was something very, I guess, effeminate about him. Yeah, a little and bit, yeah. On IMDb, there is uh, speculation, like, you know, as far as, like, was, is, was he gay? Was he actor gay? It turns out he was a gay actor. And, huh. yeah, so he, he came across as somewhat gay in the movie and but that was but yeah. you know he was still I mean he he, he had eyes for Courtney but that, that's why he, he did and he, he uh, in a kind of a sweet scene he tells her to lock her door because there's stuff going on mm-hmm. where someone's gone missing and he tells her that she's very pretty but he can't see the signs that she is into yeah. him so I mean, that's an interesting uh, take as well but yeah. Uh, yeah there was some a little bit of weirdness going on here yeah but I mean you know like, oftentimes when you have a college movie and you got jocks, and you got initiations, and you got hazing, and they're oftentimes, and they're, you know, and they're jock straps or whatever. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's, there's always that, that homoeroticness that's going on. And, uh, oh, you know. yeah. And the other movie that we're going to be podcasting down the road that you uh, mentioned, which, which we're not going to reveal tell yet, there's a lot of homoerotic subjects in that one. Um, quite expertly expounded on by Scott Drebin in an amazing dust-off he did for uh, The Daily Dead on this particular title. But Wait. I'm not going to, uh, wonderful analysis he did, but I'm not going to say, Scott will know what I'm talking about, but until we podcast this movie, maybe next week or the week after. Sure. Yeah. And, okay, so regarding final exam here, uh, what did you learn? What did I learn? Well, I mean, the, this, the shooting was the one thing. How we read movies changes over time with what's going on in real life. And I, I was astounded that they can get away with that in... Um, even in 81, I thought that school shootings would have been something that was more shocking. And the fact of the matter is that it was just written off as a prank and it went off 
business as usual. These these guys wouldn't even sanction academically. Yeah, they for that. I didn't even think of that. I, mean, I, I just thought Homeland Security. These I guys know. are going to be like seeing some serious fucking time. But, but yeah, it's just yeah. all like, oh, those frat guys. They're exactly. a wacky bunch. Exactly. So wow. yeah, I mean, how we how we read movies, how we absorb movies over the years. I mean, as I said, I've said before, movies are static. Once they're made, they're done. And then as times go on, we look at them differently. And I, I just thought of an idea for this thing. Uh, redo it. Oh, if, no, no, okay, no, no, no. <laughs> if, if this were, were a real thing, yeah. uh, this this prank machine gunning, then you could have flashed forward 10 years yeah. to a campus where tension is still high well, from there you this. Go. Yeah, yeah. Because it's... How ironic that a movie that has no scares whatsoever only derives scares from a situation that isn't real. Mm -hmm. Like, what a crazy thing. Well, see, exactly. I thought, like, when I saw those masks come and come out and start going down, you know, the co-eds and whatnot, I thought, wow, this is going to go somewhere pretty fucking unique. Forget that prologue where, you know, the generic killer on Lover's Lane, this is where it's going. But no, it was just it was just a prank, and then it went into your generic slasher mode. So, overall, this movie... Yeah, it's it's Slash, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, Slash the completest. Go ahead and see it. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't really recommend it too highly. I would say star rating for me would be like one and a half. Oh, uh, agreed. Uh, you know, maybe stretch it out to two, but I think that's being very very generous. Uh, if if you have to see one of these things, House on Sorority Row, I thought was pretty fun, uh, based on a, an accidental. Uh, murder uh, based on a prank or the ter kind of terrific I thought we wrote about it in the book uh, Pledge Night featuring again the singer from Anthrax Joey Belladonna a lot more visual style a lot more fun a lot better shots not this murky crap so again yeah skip this unless you're completist but uh, I like this kind of stuff whether it's Sorority House Massacre or Urban Legend or anything set on a campus it's kind of fun in a way mm -hmm. uh, but again only one nude scene too which is shocking and it was very artful it was just this Lisa the pianist doffing her robe, and it was it wasn't exploitative in the way that we've come to expect. There was no no leering and no. It's just this movie made I don't know it didn't make much well, sense here. Way. I mean, it's it's almost like the anti slasher. No leering, lascivious nude scene. No excessive gore. No creative kills. No, no backstory yeah. for the uh, for the killer. Yeah. No mask. No no unique visual style for the killer, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That can actually be commended, but if it was in the hands of some talented people that were purposely trying to make an anti-slasher slasher, it would have worked well. This was just a bunch of hacks making a shitty movie. Yeah, and it's telling that the director doesn't really have an entry in, uh, on Wikipedia. But anyway, what are you going to do? Uh, for more, check out our site for genre film reviews, predominantly horror. Um, updated two or three times a week www.reallyawfulmovies.com and of course new podcast episodes every Friday on the Blueberry Network and we'll talk to you soon take care